Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group, a weekly webinar. Today is October 19th, 2020. Our purpose in our weekly work is to introduce the work of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles and also to create a platform for those of us who are already members of triangles to come together and participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work simply involves the establishing of the lines of lighted loving communication between three people who agree to vivify that link every day. Three people come together and visualize a triangle of light, connecting them mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill and service to all humanity. Their triangle is then placed within the larger network of planetary triangles. And as this network is visualized, the great invocation or world prayer is sounded in order to release the energies of light, love, and the will to good into all open hearts and minds who can respond to spiritual stimulation when it's released into the atmosphere. Triangles helps us to dissipate the fogs and mists of glamour and illusion that are surrounding our planet at this time and thereby help to prepare human consciousness for the externalization of the inner teachers and the eventual coming forward of the great world teacher. Triangles need only take a few minutes each day, and it can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. And after our meditation today, we have the privilege of hearing from Susan McNeil, who is a licensed psychotherapist practicing in New York City. Her study of the Ageless Wisdom teachings for 32 years has been informed, has informed her work and her publications and her practice. Susan's affiliated with the non-governmental organization, the Aquarian Age Community, headquartered at the United Nations. So we look forward to hearing from you later, Susan. And now as we, well, I, I forgot, I wanted to mention because I know that many of you have requested them in the past and some of you might like to, who are newer, might like to request some of these triangles pins. They're quite small. You can't tell from the picture, but they're, they're very small and they can be worn by anyone at any time in order to attract interest in the planetary network. And we also have to accompany the pins a card, a beautiful card, that gives a little bit of information about triangles so you can simply hand it to the person who might question you and hopefully they would respond and want to find out more about the planetary network so if any of you would like to have some of these pins and cards please just write your name in the chat box and if you don't think we have your contact information um, well we do we have your email so we can get in touch with you for your address so now let's um, as we always do, let's begin with a brief visualization 
followed by a sounding of the mantra. So let's just visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. Visualize within that sphere a triangle. This is the triangle of the three primary planetary centers. Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangle with light. now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize the five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and present, radiating the energy of love, wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from the center of the star out through each of the five points. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo.
visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. meditation, Susan's going to share with us a few thoughts related to fear growing out of her work as a therapist. Fear is endemic and finds its seeds in the very fabric of the human experience on this planet. It lies deep within the collective unconscious. Much fear stems from pain, from the recollection of previous pains and it underlies the whole experience of being human. It's said that pain as we experience it is unique to humanity on our planet, and it's also unique to this particular time in planetary history. This time meaning this second of three solar systems, a vast amount of time. In other kingdoms in nature, and in other cycles of time, this experience of pain did not and will no longer condition human experience. But in this second solar system, wherein love is working out, pain is said to be a necessary factor. Pain gives us the experience to learn how to alleviate it, both in ourselves and in others thus providing the opportunity to serve, to develop compassion. For service is the path of evoking the soul. The challenge of dealing with planetary pain has evoked the new group of world servers. Their task is to provide the pathway through which a new kingdom in nature, the fifth kingdom, the kingdom of the soul can come forth. So if we view the world situation from this perspective, we can understand 
that the present pain in all aspects of life is providing the necessary conditions whereby humanity is presented with a tremendous opportunity to serve. And to serve brings joy, dispelling pain and fear. Rather than avoiding pain through suppression and distractions, the Tibetan advises us to understand the uses of pain, seeing its virtues as there are many. Pain helps us to grow, to change. It leads us out of darkness into light, out of bondage into liberation, out of agony into peace. Peace, light, and liberation, therefore, are the ultimate goal of the human experience of seeking the way. Sometimes when we speak of the path, we do so by defining it as a way of fire. It is a fire that we willingly choose to enter into. And fire is painful. And so if you call for the fire to enter into your life, it's said you had better be ready for it. Pain itself is akin to fire. It is a fire which burns away the dross of the earthly existence in order to find that purity which is hidden within. As human beings, we've all traveled many ways, only to find them wanting. The way of fire begins with a deep appeal to something other, to something we sense beyond the pale of earthly existence, beyond the horizon or the boundary of the known reality. This search will eventually lead us to cry out, not in me seeks the way of peace, not in me yearns for earth. Let the fire rage. During this period of lockdown, when social contacts are few, many people are suffering mentally, emotionally, and physically all around the world. We can only imagine the psychic condition within the atmosphere of the planet, which this situation is engendering. As we hold ourselves together, we can find within it opportunities to help others. Many people throughout time have attributed periods of imprisonment or challenge to the gaining of tremendous strength of character and the birthing of ideas which proved the ground for future developments. People such as Sri Aurobindo, Jawaharlal Nehru, Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., and of course, Nelson Mandela. But one of the most poignant examples of the challenge of confinement and its transformative impact in one's life came from the experience of psychologist Viktor Frankl. Frankl spent three years in a Nazi concentration camp during the Second World War, and he used his time to cultivate self-reliance and a life of service to others in the camp to whom he reached out with love and compassion. 
And two of the lessons he learned were, he said that everything can be taken away from a man, but one thing, one thing that cannot. The last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in every given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way, that cannot be taken from us. And another lesson he learned is that life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. So he spent the rest of his life aiding others through his books and psychoanalytical tools, whereby he helped liberate them and aided them to gain meaning in their lives. So let's now work with our meditation. Let's come together in group fusion. So link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. Let's align with the spiritual center of divine will, the center Shambhala. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network.
pull the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Now visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the Triangle's network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, establishing right human relationships.
Sound the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause to consider the words before they're poured forth. And let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. from the point of light within the mind of God. Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God. Let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, 
the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And now we're going to have the opportunity to hear from Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much. That, of course, was always beautiful, and your intro was beautiful, too. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So we look forward to hearing your thoughts. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so my uh, paper is Working with Fear. Living in the world we encounter fear. Fear for our physical, emotional, and financial safety. Fear of death and disease and losses of health and relationships. And fear of change and of cultural and racial differences. Additionally, fear, like anxiety, has either a signal function, which we might argue keeps us safe or orients us to the dangers of life's landscape, seeing a green light, Turn yellow as we approach an intersection signals us to prepare for an imminent change. Or it becomes the thing itself, the danger, which could overwhelm or imprison us. In addition to the above distinctions, fear corresponds to multiple domains of experience, the physical, neurological, philosophical, and psychological. Neuroscientists suggest that fear operates in the brain at a primitive level, and the human brain has an instrumental response to threat. Some psychologists have noted that we've had 3.9 billion years of evolution and have had a nervous system for 500 million years. The polyvagal theory pertaining to the role of the vagus nerve in emotional regulation social connection, and fear response postulates that the vagus nerve directs the fear signal to fight, flight, freeze, or collapse response. 
There are also physiological responses that assess danger at a subconscious level, which is the part of the brain known as the amygdala located deep within the temporal lobes of the brain. Eckhart Tolle from A New Earth says the underlying emotion that governs all activity of the ego is fear, fear of being nobody, the fear of non-existence, the fear of death. Some people express being terrified of not feeling seen or attuned to. Relationships in themselves may be terrifying for some. Intimacy can be scary. Interestingly, the Tibetan teacher in Discipleship in the New Age expresses that through the emphasis laid in Raja Yoga on the physical body and its wise control, the student realizes the essential importance of the physical and the uselessness of all his knowledge apart from a physical body whereby he can express himself and serve the race. Philosophically, in the perspective of the age's wisdom, were counseled that the origination of fear was implanted in the days of Atlantis by the dark forces, specifically the fear of death. The Tibetan in the rays in the initiations explains, the fear of death is one of the great abnormalities or distortions of divine truth for which the lords of cosmic evil are responsible. In early Atlantean times, these lords of cosmic evil emerged from the place where they had been confined and forced temporarily the retirement of the Great White Lodge to subjective levels. Their first great act of distortion was to implant in human beings fear, beginning with the fear of death. From that time on, men and women have laid the emphasis upon death and not life and have been ridden by fear all their days. From a psychological perspective, fear usually enters the therapeutic treatment space through issues that link with our fears, fears of survival, safety, and loss. Paul Check, an expert in kinesiology and holistic wellness, noised the question, do you actively avoid or ignore fear and allow it to define you? Fear is a creature that can poison even the best of us. Often a patient responds to a situation without awareness that fear is guiding or informing that response. A couple I've worked with had difficulty communicating their fears and frustrations, therefore lived in mutual silence that built into resentment. When they understood that the silence represented their fears of abandonment, needs to be nurtured, loved, and accepted, the silence dissolved, and communicating those fears was their liberation. There are many coping strategies for working with fear. Some therapies are utilizing exposure therapy, where the brakes are off concerning facing one's fears, as in the existential reality that we will die, bad things will happen, and that we have no control if our loved ones get sick and die. Introspection as a coping strategy has been useful in eliciting character strengths, curiosity, what you wanna be remembered for, deconstruction of fear, and fear as a bodily response. I have found that shame underlies fear in many instances, especially intergenerational shame, 
and have seen that in uncovering and facing and working through that which is feared, in this case, feeling shame, that fear disintegrates. And working with a young black man who had an uncontrollable fear of driving due to believing that he would be killed by the police, the point of truth in that belief, he discovered the shame of his blackness and the impact of the intergenerational trauma of slavery. Once he was able to approach the previously unnamed and unwitnessed context and experience the shame as the thing to be feared, then the fear reaction left him, allowing him to return to driving. This also fostered self-compassion which is another form of introspection, as well as self-love and universal love towards the elimination of fear. These strategies may exile the fear of the traumas. Clinical psychotherapeutic work has revealed to my mind that emotions are quite different from feelings. We may get trapped in negative or positive emotions, emotional ecstasy, emotional euphoria, emotional sensitivity, emotional rage, emotional slights, and clearly emotional fear. We can see this in our own internal battles, as well as worldwide and in this time of COVID, when long-held conservative beliefs clash with the fear that progressive and perhaps more inclusive change will threaten the order or nature of things in life hence triggering fear responses, which repel receptivity and openness to the possibilities that come with change. Edmund Burke wrote in the 18th century, no passion so effectually robs the mind of all its powers of acting and reasoning as fear. This fear response then becomes one of the greatest impediments to soul consciousness and these emotions lie in the solar plexus, whereas feelings such as love, joy, sadness, frustrations, and justifiable anger come from the heart center. Exploration and integration of discoveries which utilize and synthesize the relationship of the body, mind, and soul suggests that we're creating a model of the process of evolution, progressing towards our higher nature, as a society, culture, and civilization, we are collectively lifting from the solar plexus to the heart center, which I see as thinking in the heart and transmuting emotions such as desire into love, all of which are creating a huge upheaval. This model begins with the integration of the lower threefold human being, the physical, the emotional or astral, and mental bodies as an integrated personality, then becoming soul-infused, which takes the effort and control of a clear mind and a cool, calm, emotional body, then with the aid of the will or purpose, on towards the spirit or spiritual triad, atma, buddhi, manas, as the truism, as above, so below, reveals. The release of fear becomes imminent through this transformation. We see the mind's capacity for change, revealing the reality where there is no place for fear. 
Whatever our greatest fears are, the light of the soul removes them. Yet it captivates the heart center and begins to release the prison of the astral realm, where the true antidote to fear, love, and joy may be expressed. Using the imagination with the as-if technique of soul infusion and the steady, persistent, disciplined method of soul alignment, we contact higher consciousness by the means of meditation. Study is also an aspect of service, where we discipline and focus the mind to higher thinking. And then through service, as we think of others and how we can serve, we loosen the hold of fear and we have a channel through which our emotions are transformed. This is a critical time of keeping the mind steady in the light. Emotions or the astral nature pull us into symbolic darkness, which is materialism, greed, and separation. Soul contact informs us of the true nature of humanity, that we are all one humanity, and therefore right human relations becomes the only way relationships can sustain themselves. How can we then behave in any other way than through the use of right speech, self-forgetfulness, loving action, and harmlessness? Union through identification with the whole, the group, by aligning the different aspects of the personality, soul, and spirit, becomes a true synthetic psychology. The pain, suffering, and hate that we see in the world today is evoking the cry of humanity, a cry which calls to service those whose soul nature is responsive to this human struggle. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. That was really beautiful. Uh, I'm sort of speechless in terms of what to ask you. So I thought maybe it would be good to just open it up to the group and to any thoughts or impressions or questions that anyone might have uh, related to the topics of fear. And so you can share by posting a comment in the chat box, or you can also raise your hand by clicking on your name in the participants box, and we can unmute your microphone. You know, Christina mentions that uh, she said that both yours and mine were inspiring and stimulating, and especially because of the present crisis. Yeah. 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 Have you noticed a dramatic increase in challenging situations for the people you work with? Has it affected them more powerfully? Well, especially right now, before November yeah. 3rd, it's, yeah. uh, the anxiety and the fears are, you know, pretty overwhelming. Yeah. But, you know, having, having the higher thoughts and having the perspective and even the physical and, and you know, a lot of the um, strategies help. They make a difference. Yes. Do you, do you share st um, actual strategies with your patients? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not just talk therapy. It's also 
you give them assignments, kind of. Well, I also do a, a trauma-related trauma therapy called EMDR, eye movement uh-huh. sensitization and reprocessing. And um, we do that for in terms of a lot of trauma and fears. And yeah, I mean, it's talk therapy, but it's also, you know, getting into things from writing and, you know, looking. I mean, it's interesting because even the neuroscientists who um, looking at the vagus nerve, you know, the vagus nerve takes up the whole body, the brain, the face, the thorax, the abdomen, and yeah. it really um, can transform and, and goes into such a freeze or fear response that we have to address it in the physical way too. Fascinating. I see Joshua has his hand raised, maybe with something from Facebook. Uh, yes, can you hear me? Yep. Uh, unfortunately, it's a, sort of a technical question. Katia Farini, uh spread some comments in Italian and she, she said, okay, I can hear the voice. How do you do it in the Italian translation? Thank you so much. Well, we don't have an Italian translation, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, we, we had some people who were translating into French, but nothing in Italian at the moment. So, sorry. Um, there's a comment from Josh. Do you see that? Um, um, huh. I, um, I don't. <laughs> okay, he writes, when feeling fear, fear can control all of your thinking. Fear expresses itself specifically in the astral body, in the moment, feeling anxiety. How do you block this fear? How do you transform it esoterically seen so that it doesn't control you anymore? Yeah, that's the question of the hour. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're all doing. And uh, that's why I think addressing it from the, you know, from the lower to the higher, the physical, the emotional, the astral, the mental, the spiritual. I mean, I think it's almost impossible without the spiritual in these days. I think without that, you know, you can, you can for maybe momentarily have um, a release of the anxiety and the stress, but it comes right back. There's something about having that spiritual perspective. And even so, you know, that can still create, you still have a lot of stress. Yeah. There is um, a very uh, important chapter in the book, A Treatise on White Magic. It's it's about 100 pages or so. Uh, I believe it's chapter 10, which the whole manual of the treatise on white magic, it really deals with working with the three lower vehicles. And so that particular chapter deals with the astral body. Mm-hmm. And in that chapter, there's an interesting exercise, which you probably remember, Susan, but it might help you Josh and help all of us to work with our fears Um, he says to visualize a triangle so it fits in with the work that we do a triangle with at the apex the master whoever you link with could be the Christ or if you have a particular link with the master and then on the two bottom um, points is your soul and your personality and you just flood the white light of the higher realms through the apex of the triangle and see it circulating throughout the whole 
um, network of that triangle and, and ex being extended outward. And the Tibetan says to do it as many times as might need be when confronted with uh, the feared situation or feeling. Um, so that's so <laughs> so perfect because even in what we just did the meditation that we just yeah. did you know i was feeling my heart pounding and feeling a little nervous and we go into the meditation and into the idea of triangles and holding the love the energy of love it just calmed my whole system so yeah it's so interesting how it works and teresa says in a course in miracles it suggests that fear and love cannot coexist and we either in fear or in love and we can choose with our discriminatory mind which and that is so true too when we go to the place of of love and joy it's even for that split second, it's just not there. The fear evaporates. Yeah. Um, Sue Christensen writes, so emotions come from the astral and elicit a physical response and feelings from heart are perceived mentally? That's what I believe. I mean, that's what, you know, in all the work that I've done, I could, you could even see, I could see in the, in the room how body language changes, how thoughts change when they, the emotions rise to the heart center. Yeah. I always found, found it helpful to ponder the um, phrase, fierce is spelled false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. I think that's a helpful mm. pointer to remember. Mm. Uh, Joshua's got his hand up again. Hey, Joshua. Hi, there's another comment on Facebook. Uh, Phoenix Tolleman says, we are told we energy. What do you think that really means? Is that we are told we are energy? Uh, yeah, I assume he just left that out. Okay. Do you have any thoughts, Susan? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, God, you know, that's amazingly throughout the books that, you know, energy, energy follows thought, that everything in existence is energy. The rays have energy. So, you know, I'm sure you might be able to point to some specifics that would explain that better. No. <laughs> um, Christina writes, would it be interesting to explore how fear might be connected with stress? Do you have any thoughts about this, please? It's, you know, hard to tell which comes first, you know, the chicken or the yeah. egg. Um, because, well, you know, I think, I think fear, stress is the manifestation and, you know, we keep going higher and higher from, you know, if we, if we really think about eons and eons of, you know, from Atlantean times, that fear was, you know, integrated into the human being, then, you know, stress would certainly follow that. I see them hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and John is asking for the quote again that you gave for the origin of fear. 
the origin of fear, let me just, that is from the Rays and Initiations, page, page 732. Thank you. Uh, Swan writes, could you say a little more about transforming emotions from the solar plexus to feelings from the heart? Well, that's why I call it thinking from the heart, because the solar plexus feels like it's an instinct. It's old. It's from, you know, it's ancient that go into the gut, into the solar plexus. And we're, you know, evolving now consciously as humanity into thinking with love. And that lifts. That's why we're going through such a major shift now in humanity because we're told that we are lifting from the solar plexus into the heart center. And it's causing havoc because, you know, as we can see, there, you know, hate and anger and rage and old ways are trying to hold on to what they know. Yeah. And, you know, I, was, I just finished reading um, a book um, on um, John, um, ah, why am I blanking on his name? The great um, African-American who just died. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Me too. Ah! <laughs> it's John, a beautiful John Lewis, book. I think. Yes. John, John Lewis, Lewis, thank you. And, uh, um, it, it's such a beautiful book. Meacham um, um, wrote it, and John Meacham wrote it, and uh, um, it's all about love and how he was able to sacrifice his life and had no fear because he lived in love. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um. Heidi, um, Josh, Josh, you might be able to get the email address from Heidi if you scroll down because she said she can trans, um, translate the transcriptions into Italian and you could send it to the woman on Facebook. Um, and then VN says, very many people have found great solace from repeating universal mantras and prayers such as the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's Prayer and the Great Invocation. They bring in very powerful energies. Also, DK provided a visualization exercise wherein one imagines themselves at the center of a wheel of seven spokes, each radiating the energy of the seven rays. This protects the individual and distributes positive energies to all around. Yeah, that's a powerful one. Yeah, that's, that is very true. And visualization is you know, makes a huge difference in helping the whole system and transmuting a lot of the fear into the higher places. But, you know, a lot of people just aren't there. And, you know, they'll, they'll do some of these things. They'll come to me and they'll say, you know, I've done this over and over, but I still have fear, this deep-seated fear. And, you know, there's yeah. still a place to dig around that and we can't spiritually bypass. We have to still go into the, that's why I feel the psychological and spiritual are so connected and important together. Yeah. Uh, Gary writes, what's an example 
of a visualization from psychosynthesis that reduces and or eliminates fear. I don't know if you work, do you work with psychosynthesis at all? Oh, yeah, there's so many things, um, you know, lifting into, I do visualizations of lifting, climbing a mountain, going up to the mountaintop, um, sometimes having like a temple up there, sitting in a chair, um, you know, looking down in the valley, seeing the self transmuting. So there, there's so many kinds of visual, visualizations. Okay. That Asagioli created, and they're very beautiful meditations. Also, um, Jessica writes, "I am finding that being part of the Triangles Network is also an amazing way to feel much less fear and a much greater unity and a feeling of peace through the shared energies of light and love. There's a bond that strengthens every day. Are you finding the people who are part of loving networks?" are able to handle fear better than those who are in situations in which we feel alone. That's so true. Um, and even, you know, that's either or, you know, there are people that are in, have, you know, aren't, oh, they have their family or they're in other groups that really make a difference. But, you know, oddly enough, there's still a lot of fear, even within the groups and even within family situations that have a bond that are connected. It's much better than being in a lone situation, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, it's true. I, I mean, all of these things, it's almost like you need so many of these things to keep adding to the, you know, to your toolbox to everything you could grab on when the fear energy comes in. I have people write down, you know, just a list of things that they can do. They might have a list of 20 things from mantras to visualizations, to um, connecting to friends, to writing, to dancing, to singing, yeah. you know, on and on. Great. Um, there's quite a few hands here now. So Julie, are you there? Julie, you have to unmute your mic. Uh, let me ask you again. Hello, Kathy. Hey. Hi, Julie. Hi, Kathy and Susan. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Um, I was interested in the comment you made about the vagus nerve and then the question that was called in about stress. Mm -hmm. Because I, I have been reading about the vagus nerve and that it regulates the relaxed state of the body and people who have a very low tone in their vagus nerve don't handle stress well. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm wondering that not handling stress well probably is fear. And if the diseases that seem to be linked to a low vagus nerve, such as some of the neurological diseases, could be eliminated or at least improved if people had some of the um, things at their disposal that you're talking about to, as an op opposition to fear, such as love or some of the visualizations you've talked about. That's absolutely so true. And neuros, I mean, gosh, it's a huge field with neuroscientists. They've been, you know, I've gone to just a full conference, like a five-day conference just on uh, what neuroscientists have been discovering and finding out about the vagus nerves and other things. So 
Yeah, absolutely true. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Um, okay, we just have time for a, a couple more. So, Akemi, Akemi. Hey, Kathy, don't unmute the person. There's somebody sending all these videos. Yeah. So, okay. Akemi Suizu is not yeah. somebody to unmute right now. Okay. So. Thank you. Um, Chadwick. Okay. Hello, Chadwick. Hello. Chadwick, did you have a comment? Oh, yeah. Um, can you show me where, where I asked? I'm kind of confused. Can you show me where I asked? Uh, I'm sorry that you're having a problem right now. Um, you say fear is the great sign of the dweller. And so perhaps you're going through a period in your life right now where there's a lot of fear. And obviously from what Susan's been saying, you're not alone. But perhaps um, using some of these techniques that have been shared of calling in the light of your soul, trying to hold yourself in the light. And having someone to talk to is good. Yeah. Yeah. So... I love what Carol Lee Hopkins says. When I heard Biden speak of love and light, I recognized he is a light worker and it reduced my fear. That's great. Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, did you want to unmute your mic? There's no electricity. Hello, Jonathan. Perhaps you raised your hand inadvertently. Hello. The lights are on in the bathroom. And I don't want to talk because I like that. Okay. All right. Okay. Lisa says when you name a fear, you make it conscious and it loosens its power over you as fears are unconscious and relate to the past. In a lot of ways, that's very true. Rod? Okay. Um, I'm going to ask that we close now. Just we've been going for a long time and I would like to thank you and I speak no I speak for everyone so much Susan thank you for sharing your wisdom and light with the group and uh, let's just take a moment of silence to connect with the group of triangles workers throughout the world and shedding our light and love and goodwill to all Thank you all. Thank you, Susan. <laughs>